Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. One of my favorite characters on television is Sheldon Cooper, a very measured and calculated scientist on a show called The Big Bang Theory. A recurring theme in the show is Sheldon's discomfort with gifts. The very idea that one would give freely and generously with no expectation of reciprocity, this idea just does not make sense. And so when Sheldon receives a gift, he always panics because to him, he is now in that person's debt. Desperate to rebalance the relational score, Sheldon quickly responds to every gift he receives in a way that he thinks is fair. And so when his friend Howard gives him a gift that he values at $8, Sheldon quickly pulls out his wallet, gives Howard a $10 bill, and then asks for $2 change. Why? Because it balances the relational score. No one is indebted to anyone else. Now, to me, these scenes are not just funny, they are brilliant. And they're brilliant because they reveal how fidgety we can be when the relational score is not balanced, when we start counting, only to find that the math doesn't add up. For instance, someone receives a gift that we don't receive, and sometimes we think, they don't deserve that. Or maybe we receive a gift, a lavish and unexpected gift, and we say or think something to the effect of, I don't deserve this, or I'm uncomfortable with this gift. It's just too generous. You see, we all have an inner Sheldon Cooper, a part of us that is more comfortable when life feels balanced, appropriate, and fair. Now, all that to say, today's gospel is deeply offensive to our inner Sheldon Cooper. And Jesus was aware of this fact when he told the parable. Because remember, that is the whole reason Jesus told parables in the first place. To throw a wrench in our default understanding of how the kingdom of God works. And I say that because this is not the way we tend to think of parables. In fact, if you go to dictionary.com, it will define a parable as a short allegorical story that illustrates a well-known truth. But Webster clearly has not been to seminary, where he would have learned that Jesus did not tell parables to illustrate well-known truths. No, he told parables to shatter well-known truths, to 
challenge people's preconceived notions of how the world and God really work. And if I had to summarize the particular well-known truth, the conventional idea that today's parable was meant to shatter, both then and now, I would put it something like this. That the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ relates to us in a way that is balanced and appropriate and fair. Now just for a moment, I want you to feel the discomfort of what I just said. That God might not be fair. I mean, I'm not sure if you noticed, but there is nothing fair about today's parable. The lazy straggler who works for an hour gets paid the same amount of money as the star employee. According to no standards, is that fair? And if you tried imitating this behavior, it would be wildly ineffective. I mean, just try running a business that way. Or if you're a teacher, try grading students in this way. It'd be utter chaos. I don't recommend it. Because again, the point of a parable is not to teach us how to run a business, but to show us what the kingdom of heaven is like, to show us what God is like, and what God is not like, i.e. fair. And that is really hard, because we live in a world predicated on fairness. A world that teaches us to earn, achieve, perform, measure, count, evaluate, compete, and follow the rules. I mean, sure, it can be exhausting, but at least we know the rules of the game, and some of us are pretty good at it. Because this game whereby we invest and expect a return, where people who work one hour get paid less than people who work ten, it's all we know. And what Jesus reminds us in today's gospel is that with respect to how God chooses to relate to us, what we know, what we think we know, is wrong, and that God does not play by the rules of our game. C.S. Lewis was once asked by a group of his colleagues at Oxford about the uniqueness of Christianity. All religions present ethical challenges. Other religions have stories of virgin births and gods walking the earth. And so what, they wondered, makes Christianity any different? What makes Christianity different was the question, and Lewis responded with a single word. Grace. The one-way love of God. The generosity of a God who never stops giving, never stops searching, who picks up our tab no matter how much we spend. A God who sees people standing idle and gives them something to do and then pays them far more than what could ever be considered fair. What makes faith unique and forever baffling to our inner Sheldon Cooper is this idea of grace. 
And so with the time we have left, I want to share two things that I get from this parable and what it means about the grace of God. First, if grace means anything, it's that in the kingdom of heaven, there is no such thing as a contract, which is tough because we like to bargain to know what God expects from us and to have clarity on what we in turn will receive. It's nice whenever the terms of the agreement are spelled out in writing in advance. And if only subconsciously, we all have some contract that we bring to our relationship with God and we expect or hope that God will play by those rules. And so, you know, mine goes something like this, Lord, I'll obey I'll read my Bible, I'll be a good priest and a good citizen, I'll say the creed every week and I'll believe it, and I'll be nice to people, especially people that no one else is nice to, but in return, in return, I want you to bless me, and for life and work to run smoothly, and for people to like my sermons, and for the coronavirus to be gone by Easter, and for the Texas Longhorn football team to win the Big 12 championship, God, I've drawn up all the paperwork. You sign here. But, you know, God has a similar policy to that of the United States government. God does not negotiate with terrorists. He just loves them and saves them and heals them and welcomes them into the vineyard and pays them far more than they deserve. And there is nothing fair about that level of generosity. And so whatever contract exists in your mind between you and God, and trust me when I say that it's there, that contract exists only in your mind, which is another way of saying not at all. God will only relate to us on the basis of grace. But second, if grace means anything, it's that salvation is God's work and not our work. Five times in this parable, we hear the words, he went out to describe the landowner. The landowner Jesus speaks of isn't sitting at a desk, sorting through a pile of resumes, and he doesn't outsource recruiting to a headhunting firm. No, he gets his hands dirty. And five times in one day, he goes on a search and rescue mission to make sure that no one is left out, that everyone is included, that all are brought in until no one, not a one, is left standing idle. And so maybe... You have attended church faithfully your whole life, never missed a Sunday. And you may come in here a priority and you give sacrificially of your time and energy and money to support the mission and ministry of St. Michael's. Or maybe you're tuning in from home this morning on accident. You don't even know how you got here. Or you're tuning in because you're stuck at home and not sure else what to do. Either way, wherever we are on our spiritual journey, we are all celebrated by God in and through Jesus Christ, and neither group from one perspective really has 
a strategic spiritual advantage over the other. And whenever I say that, sometimes people respond, well, what's the point? Why even come? Why even serve? Why even worship? Why even sacrifice? To which I only have one response. I want you to find me someone who has ever had an authentic encounter with the grace of God, with the generous God this parable reveals, and who as a result has their desire to live a selfish life increase and their desire to know and love God and to love other people decrease. Show me one person who has encountered God and experiences life as less meaningful, and I will take every word of this sermon back. Because here is the real secret about today's parable. There's kind of a twist. There were never any laborers to begin with. It's like that movie, The Sixth Sense. Bruce Willis was dead the whole time, and you only figure that out at the end. In the same way, there were never any hired laborers in this parable, which you only find out if you read the whole Bible. But again, There were no hired laborers, no contract workers in that vineyard. There were only sons and daughters. And that's why the kingdom of heaven can only be received as a gift. There is no contract, and the relational score is never balanced, and every debt is paid. It's a world where the only currency accepted is God's generosity. Now, is there anything fair about that? Absolutely not. And thanks be to God. Amen.